I'm Brian, a Suns fan since 1983, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. And welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Really appreciate you guys joining us, whether you are on YouTube or if you are just listening to the podcast version. Finally, I feel like it has been a long time in the making. Um, we have a very special guest on our show. That is Mr. John Bloom, Suns broadcaster, post-game radio host. Uh, we've had him on a couple of times, but I haven't been on at all until now with John Bloom. It's a huge honor for me. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us. Well, thanks for having me again. And uh, now it's Dave that, that apparently can't hang with me anymore. I think he's missed the last couple that, that I've come in and, and talk with you guys. Uh, it's exciting to talk Suns basketball, even on an off night. Uh, I love doing it, especially the way this season started. And Tim, uh, it was great to get to meet you in Vegas at Summer League and good to finally be on the show with you. So I, I have to ask you, John, um, it has come to the realization of a lot of Suns fans that you are not officially part of the Suns fan community unless Nate Duncan has blocked you on Twitter. He has blocked myself. He has blocked Espo. Uh, so are you an official Suns fan yet? Boy, I, I want to be, uh, if I'm not, I'm not because I have anything against that dude, I, I except for his stupid takes that, that come out <laughs> once in a while on our team. But, uh, yeah, maybe that's enough right there, calling him stupid takes. Maybe he'll block me. I haven't checked. Uh, so to be honest, I don't know if I'm on his block list yet, but I don't think I've ever fired back at him on Twitter, so probably not. Yeah, I, I did that on sa- Saturday night and inadvertently started an avalanche with it. So fun it got times. me blocked. It got me blocked. So apparently all you have to do is say something positive about the Suns, and then he'll, uh, he'll, he'll block you. Aaron uh, Baines is not a dirty so, player for taking I'm, charges. Thank you, Internet. <laughs> I'm Greg Esposito, by the way. Ahoy, hoy. Nice to be here. Good to have uh, my friend John Bloom with us as well. You're here too. So, uh, (laughs) no, so, so, John, in Vegas, you were super high on the Suns. And I really want you to talk about your uh, preseason predictions and how you're feeling now that we're a whopping seven games into this. Well, I mean, being called super high on the Suns for saying they're going to have a 500 season, I guess, is is appropriate. I mean, based on what the rest of everybody was thinking. Uh, and, uh, you know, rightfully so, I got bashed for, for being uh, way too optimistic last year. I mean, as Espo will tell you, and the, this topic's come up so many different times, I've been optimistic the majority, you know, basically every year. That's what I am. I like living on that side of the street. What can I tell you? It's just, I don't, I prefer it than the alternative. Uh, and Espo brought enough of that on the post-game show when we did it for a few years that I knew I never needed to go down the <laughs> pessimistic negative route because he had that covered. I so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 was, look, I, I was always a little censored on that too, to, to be fair. True. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. But I mean, off the air, like even when we were this a commercial break, he would bring the negativity plenty. Uh, but, you know, I, I think for me, uh, looking at the way the team was constructed, looking at what the team did last year uh, and the fact that they made the changes that they made, uh, that led me clearly to make the prediction. But all it is, is I go through when the schedule comes out and I say win or loss, win or loss. And then I add it up at the end and it came up to 41. Big deal. doesn't really matter what I thought beforehand. What matters is this team's playing the 
their asses off and it's fun to watch and we can all be proud again repping phx which for me you know espo will tell you this this goes way back for me to to when i you know when i was a kid if i ever lose that fandom then i don't want to be in this business anymore that's what drives me i love it what i love the most is the game still still the action still love being there describing it calling it and then talking about it with suns fans right afterwards it's a it's a very lucky place to be especially this year let's let's be honest john did you have them five and two right now though when you when you went through the the schedule no no no. (laughs) even the most of optimistic of us did not see five and two coming if I had had them five and two now, then you're probably going to be looking at 43, 44 wins. You know, it wouldn't have been 41, but uh, I, because I saw the stretch coming up where they can really get uh, healthy. It's not now, uh, even though this six game homestand, it's an opportunity. Absolutely. For them to get pile some more wins up, but they're good teams. So it's not like a foregone conclusion, but there is a stretch coming up. I think it's in December where I thought that they could maybe run off some wins and, and get a win streak going. Uh, and that could still happen. And then, you know, you're compounding things, but right now, I think the main thing is not to look at it and say, Hey, are they a playoff team? I think the main thing for Suns fans is to just relish in what we have, right? Is to appreciate what we're watching and hope that it just continues. Because if it does, it's going to be a much better season than any of us, including me, thought. Well, I mean, it, this reminds me a lot of a season that we we both worked uh, through that, that year that they won the 48 games. It feels, and I'm not saying they're going to win 48 this year, but it feels like the camaraderie's there, the chemistry, the the uh, the desire to do the little things on the court that, that make it possible to play like this. And I believe in Monty Williams more than any coach, uh, probably this side of Alvin Gentry or maybe even Mike D'Antoni that, that has been on this bench. I mean, I know that's not saying a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of coaches, but that's not saying a lot necessarily about the individual coaches. But what Monty Williams brings, just reading those quotes, like his uh, everything you, you've you wanted is on the other side of hard. And uh, it's not leadership if nobody follows. It's just taking a long walk, right? Uh, like those kind of things to me are just uh, resonate, right? And maybe it's because I'm a 35-year-old guy looking for any motivation to get through the day. But those kind of things uh, really, really speak to me. And it sounds like they're really speaking to these players. It feels different than, than most situations we've walked into. And that's why I'm most excited about not only this year, but moving forward as well. So I agree. Uh, cleaning the glass based off, uh, has a statistic that based off of the Suns point differential right now, they're actually 65-1 team. <laughs> yeah, but we know that point differential like isn't going to stay there. You know? <laughs> They're the anti-Nate Duncan, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like, you're going to get me probably blocked from other people if we keep going down that street. That's, uh, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, uh, so... I, yeah, you, can't, you can't go there. I mean, you can't think of the pie-in-the-sky thing yet, but, I mean, it is kind of fun just to imagine that if this team continues to play this way with this group and they add – a number one overall pick who had an amazing rookie season who everybody's going to be sleeping on because we're all caught up in this uh, great start to the season. But if he comes out and fits in, in a way that he can just contribute and bolster the attack offensively and maybe even a little defensively. I just went dark on you guys. Sorry about that. Uh, then I, I think that, uh, you know, this is an, an opportunity for us to start thinking pie in the sky. Well, and, and I certainly think there it's, it's exciting to, to just, 
see see what's going on with this group. And yeah, adding in uh, adding in Aiton will be like adding a guy in a trade here. But I, I got to ask you, John. I took the stance last episode that I feel like he has to earn that right to start back. And I'm not saying that you bench him for for a long period of time, but I feel like it shouldn't just be given back to him if Baines keeps playing this way. I feel like it should be earned since this was a mistake on his part that caused this. It's not an injury or something. Do you, uh, do you see that standpoint as well, John? I do. Uh, I think that's the way probably the team is going to expect it to play out too, just because of how everything is going right now. But I think that earning process isn't just let's throw a DA out there and see how he plays in his first game back. No, I think that started when he started his suspension. I mean, it's about how he's, uh, you know, composing himself on the road with the team. Uh, It's about what he's doing when he's not uh, with the team and how he's staying active and trying to keep his uh, physical fitness up. Uh, And then when he does get the opportunity to practice with the team, do the walkthroughs, do the shoot arounds on the road, uh, how's he, you know, composed and and keeping himself into it through this whole stretch. It stinks. There's no doubt. Uh, It's adversity which, uh, you know, frankly for him, I think it might be exactly what he needs in order to focus himself properly and get himself ready to be a, a winning contributor to this basketball team. I think he can be a statistical contributor. Absolutely. I think he can be a highlight contributor. No question about it. Every time he laces up, that guy's going to do something that we all jo- drop our jaw on just because he's as nimble as anybody that size I've ever seen in my life. So he's going to do some crazy things on the basketball court. But what it is, is more, uh, is he mentally prepared is he prepared to make the right plays at the right times because right now Aaron Baines is doing that isn't he yep and making the, sh- the big shots when you need him to uh down low and out uh, beyond the arc as well he's doing he's doing everything you want and the and yet Nate Duncan you're gonna you're not gonna like it but taking the charges setting those hard screens is something that that Aiton needs to commit to when he comes back as well and he's getting a front row seat to see Aaron Bain put on a clinic with how to do those things as well I I think you're 100% right John that this is a guy that hasn't faced a lot of adversity. He was able to uh, make it by with immense athletic ability uh, because he's that skilled, he's that talented. But this adversity may be the thing that, that kicks that mental side of it into high gear and realize that not everything is given. You have to earn it, you know? Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit off the air about Devin Booker. I want to throw out a couple of stats for you guys. Um, I've seen a lot of people that have said Devin Booker is not playing different or uh, he hasn't changed his game this year. It's only the players around him. Um, I've seen other people say that, no, he just has a fire in his eye and he's playing correct. But uh, statistically talking, um, his uh, the, the uh, assisted three-point shot that he got last season, 57%. This season, 74%. Assisted two-pointers last season, 29%. Assisted two-pointers this season, 49%. A lot of this, I think, is um, adding Ricky Rubio to the lineup. And there was some talk at the very beginning. uh, We're still in the beginning of the season. But the first couple of games, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio weren't meshing. Um, But what have you guys seen, not just from Devin Booker, but as well as the addition of Ricky Rubio to really man the, uh, the, the offense for this team? Look, from a scoring perspective... Devin Booker isn't different than he has been. He's always been able to score. He's always been able to score at a star level. 
it's it's the way he's scoring. He doesn't have to do everything to get those shots now. He is able to be the benefactor of Ricky Rubio and of a, a guy like a Kelly Oubre and even Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky, these guys that are genuine NBA rotation players who have been around, who know what it takes to set up a teammate and get, get a guy in the right position. So Devin Booker is still a great offensive player, He's just being able to do less and still be as effective. Uh, Monday night was a prime example of it. He didn't have to do everything in that game, but he took over at the beginning of the third and then for the final six minutes of that game, and it was the difference, and that's what a star does. And, and Devin Booker went into, and I'll just say it, FU mode in that at the beginning of that third quarter, and you knew that he was that locked in and he was going to continue that in the fourth if this team needed it. And those final six minutes uh, were just proof that Devin Booker uh, is, is an offensive force still. But defensively, it's been amazing to watch that effort level crank it up a notch because he has guys around him who are capable, know what they're doing, and know that the system that Monty Williams is running defensively, they believe in. All those things make him a better defensive player, uh, and on that side of the ball, he has improved uh, and in effort and in, in ability in some ways uh, as well. I agree. I think that there's so many factors in uh, what determine a player becoming a star in this league. Uh, and you can look back at a lot of our favorite stars over the years and, and kind of see when that turning point was. Uh, I'm not saying that this is the turning point for Devin Booker because I was already sold on him being a star. But I think everybody else who's watching is now going to say that it was this because he does have a group where he can actually win. Look, in the past, in, the, in his first four seasons, it, it sometimes took superhero things from him to even have the Suns sniff a chance at a win, let alone have a win. Now he doesn't need to do any of those things, and this team can still win basketball games. But when they do need the Stone Cold Killer – who is it? They got him. He's there. He's ready. He just did it against the Philadelphia 76ers. He did it at home where the, the crowd came and, and, and bolstered the experience. They fed off each other. Espo, you were there. I mean, everybody in that gym could feel the energy Book was bringing in that third quarter. He was basically making the statement, this is my house. This is my game. And we've seen him do that. He's done it a lot on the road, probably more so than he's done at home. But there's been a handful of games. Maybe the one that stands out the most to me was when Russell Westbrook was trying to break the triple-double record, right, Espo? Yeah, you yeah. remember that one? Booker stepped in and said, ah, not so fast. Tonight it's going to be me stealing the headlines. Well, you know, those games were fun for us because they were few and far between, and we knew the Suns didn't really have a chance to compete. This is a whole different realm we're about to experience with Devin Booker. I mean, I have so much confidence in this kid, and it's not just been developed over the last year or two. This has been developed since the day he became a Phoenix Sun when he was drafted number 13 overall the 2015 draft. I was hosting the suns.com special that night, interviewed him. He blew my mind with his maturity level, which was only moments after he was drafted. A dream just came true for a kid who was on the bench his one year at Kentucky. And here he is a lottery pick. And I'm thinking to myself, man, he's really digesting this all like a grown up. This is crazy. And guess what? He did that on the basketball court too. And it hasn't been different this year from a skill set standpoint. It's been different from an opportunity standpoint. That's the only way I could put 
this right now. And for those people who hadn't watched him in his previous four years, they'll be Johnny come lately. They'll jump on the bandwagon. There's plenty of room. That's what I say. Plenty of room for Booker fans all over this country. I think we're going to see more jerseys pop up in other cities because of how good this kid is on and off the court. Oh, yeah. I, I remember, I mean, we talked about, but the last assignment I had with the Suns before I left was to go cover him uh, at the All-Star Game in Toronto. That rookie year where he went to, to the three-point shootout. It also happened to be Kobe Bryant's last All-Star Game. I remember just sitting there and looking at the juxtaposition of this and watching Booker and seeing how he handled the weekend, how he handled that shootout, how what he said, uh, the first thing he said to me after that when, when we got to media availability was he apologized to the fans because he felt like he should have won that. Just I, I knew that second that we were looking at a guy that was something truly special. And I got laughed at for, for writing about just that juxtaposition of Kobe's final All-Star game and Devin's first, fi- or first All-Star weekend. But it just felt significant. There's something about this guy, and you're right. The national media is going to jump on board now going, oh, it was never empty stats. Well, we always knew that, right? But Monday night was uh, against the 76ers. It felt slightly different. There was there was that play in the third where he dunks on I think it was Johnson with the with the Sixers and gets in his ear and basically he whispers in his ear. You could we were a few few rows off uh, off the court where he did it and he mouthed "f you" in his ear, right? And it was just I'm coming for you. He obviously something had happened. It triggered him and you knew he was locked in. But the thing that made me think that Monday night against the Sixers was him announcing to the league I am a superstar was that defense. He was locked down on Ben Simmons uh, and a few other guys uh, throughout that second half. He was doing everything he could on the defensive end as well. And what I think is happening here is he doesn't have to expend as much offensively because he has guys he trusts. So And now he has guys on the defensive end as well that he trusts. So it makes it easier on him. And that is how, to me, uh, Devin Booker announced himself on Monday night to the league as a true superstar in what he did, not just offensively, because we knew that was coming. Well, it, it matters, too, that um, Devin Booker knows that one or two defensive plays could be the difference between a win and a loss. Uh, but on a couple of those defensive possessions he had against Jeff Richardson, um, was, uh, uh, yeah, Richardson was just, um, uh, phenomenal. So I, we do have a mailbag question I want to get to. This one is for John Bloom. This is coming from William in the YouTube chat. He asked John, how loud was it the other night when you were trying to do the post game show from your seat? He says he always wondered, it seemed at least for him, it would almost be impossible to talk through. And I know that Greg was speaking off camera about the difference with the energy level in the arena right now. Yeah, he's clearly referring to uh, the seat that I was keeping warm for Tom Leander. You know, when when, uh, Kevin Ray does the Cowboys broadcast, Leander moves into his seat. So I get a couple uh, games to to do TV, which, frankly, I mean, it's a lot of fun working with Tom Chambers and Eddie Johnson. But uh, doing TV, Espo will tell you this, it's totally out of my comfort zone. Like, I I don't want to have to figure out where to look and how to look and who to smile at. I just want to deal with what I'm saying. Like, I want to worry about what the words that are coming out of my mouth. So when I do TV, some 
sometimes I'm a little distracted because of that, not because of the fans, man. I mean, I, I can block that stuff out. They were chanting MVP when we were interviewing Booker. It was awesome. It was a great feeling. Going back and watching it is so much fun just because of when it's when it's happening, like I said, I'm blocking it out kind of like a player would block out fans shooting a free throw. Tim, you know all about that. I'm sure you got big galleries of people watching your pickup <laughs> games over in Florida. Hey, I've seen the pictures. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah, they, I, I, there's, there's usually, it's usually the, uh, the, the guys that didn't hit their free throws that are watching. So there's normally four or five. <laughs> I did, but exactly. That, the next five waiting to come on the floor. Yeah, no, right. but I, I think, you know, for me, uh, doing that show, uh, is so much fun after a win. Cause these fans roll out, you know, Jenna Booker's uh, really close friend, super fan, Jenna, the son, she came up, gave us all hugs, was screaming and yelling in the camera for like an hour after the game was over. There was so much energy. Uh, and, it did carry on after the game for a while. That energy kept going. Uh, and, and when I got home, I couldn't go to sleep. I felt like I almost had to, you know, stay up at my own little party <laughs> at home, <laughs> just enjoying it and watching some of the game back again. And I rarely do that. Like, I'll rarely get done with a game, go home and watch it. Uh, but that night I wanted to watch some of that game, especially with Booker taking over. That was so fun to watch. Uh, and when you're there and you're at the game, you don't necessarily see everything, even though you're trying to so that you can talk about it after the fact. Yeah, I got to I got to tell you, it it's been a very long time since I genuinely cheered at a game. Once you work on the media side and you work on the team side, that very much gets it gets removed out of you because you're trained not to do it. And I commented to, to Ralph, uh, who was uh, who co-hosted the show with me a couple of weeks ago and was at the game with me. I said, in the first half, I'm like, it, it's just not natural for me to cheer anymore. It's just, it's weird. By the fourth quarter, Devin Booker had reminded me, and that entire Suns team had reminded me why I why I'd been a fan and reconnected me to that feeling. I was standing up, I was chanting MVP, I was fully into it for the first time in a very long time. And it, and it reminded me that sports is escapism, right? I work a real job now. And uh, quite frankly, I had a terrible day on Monday. It was awful. And that, that six minute stretch at the end of that game changed my entire outlook for, for the rest of that evening, made me forget about all that stuff. And it felt like I was part of something bigger with that crowd. And, and the energy in that building it's amazing to feel it again, right? It's like it's like your old friends are back, and and it feels so good to hear that crowd, hear that MVP chant, the ref you suck chant. Even it was just the intensity in that building. You can tell this group, this fan base, is ready to explode if this team is even sniffing the playoffs this year, and, and that's exciting. That this will be is now and will always be. A, a son's town and i don't care what anybody else says well espo on behalf of all of planet orange i want to officially welcome you back oh, well thank you you should have never left but <laughs> but you know it, it, the bygones are bygones you're back now you i know you got your place on kaminsky cove and that's you know there, the, that's there's been ebbs and flows to the traffic probably in the cove lately yes, but yeah. uh i still like it I, i'm happy that you're there and holding it down and and i'm also excited that he's on the team uh and and so excited about so many different levels uh of this you know for the city of phoenix for the fans that have been calling the post game show for the last nine seasons and uh you know struggling with this group uh and, and getting to see what we're seeing now it's great that's why i just wanted to be sustained i would hope that 
they could beat the Miami Heat. You know, they, they just got hammered at Denver and, uh, you know, they're on their West Coast trip. Then it's Brooklyn. Sunday night could be a really, really hot ticket. Six o'clock, the Cardinals play early. Uh, let's fill that gym because, look, Kyrie Irving's coming with the Nets. They're not having a great start to the season. The, every win you can get right now, and Tim, tell me what you think of this, but I think every win that the Suns could possibly get their hands on now is only going to give them a better chance to get through some tough times. They're going to hit some tough times, right? I want to see what happens to this team when they lose two or three games in a row. Right. And I want to see how they respond from that. That's what I want to see the most from the team right now. And so, uh, John, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I I did want to ask you, speaking to that, is how confident are you uh, that what we're seeing from this Suns team right now is sustainable and it's not a fluke. Uh, we had Blanche in the YouTube chat that pointed out Devin Booker shooting 50% from three, Aaron Baines 50% from three, Carter 47%, Rubio 40%. That That's likely going to regress, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the wins are going to regress with it. No, it doesn't. Uh, And it doesn't mean it's all going to happen at once. Like not everybody's going to hit a cold streak, but I guarantee, like you said, these numbers are going to come down by the end of the season. It's it's not going to come down by the end of next week. It's just over the course of the season, it'll kind of normalize a little bit. I agree with you. Uh, And, but, but I'm confident that this team is going to be competitive if they continue to play this style of ball. And what would make us believe they're going to stop, right? I mean, what would make us believe that they're just going to lose the buy-in to Monty Williams and what his staff is doing let's not just say it's all Monty I know he he likes to give credit to his assistant coaches and I want to jump on board because I think they're doing some great things even Mark Bryant behind the scenes with DeAndre Ayton I think is, is going to be a huge help through this process and already was a big help in the offseason but up and down that that bench they're all making impacts uh, the, the players have bought in. They're buying into also developing the chemistry, which we all know is so important in order to sustain these type of streaks and successful starts. So all these things keep me positive that, uh, you know, this isn't going to just be something we look back at and say, oh, that great five and two start was awesome, wasn't it? It's too bad that didn't last. I don't think we're going to have that conversation. Uh, I think this is the start of a season that is going to keep us all engaged here in Phoenix. Uh, and who knows, you know, what the sky, what the limit is for this squad. I, I can't put, uh, you know, a vision on the ceiling for this team. I know that, you know, th- there's going to be so much talk. And the, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys and get your opinion on is if you allow yourselves to appreciate the love that's coming from other places. Like, for example, listening to Charles Barkley get a chance to talk glowingly about the team that we all know he loves. He's still got so much love in him for the Phoenix Suns. And now he's getting to actually say those things in a nice way instead of ripping cold nachos and talking about nonsense. He's actually getting to talk about good basketball being played in purple and orange. That is delightful for me, not just Chuck, but I'm talking about even like Rachel Nichols and the jump crew and all these people that have been jumping on board. And when it's easy and lazy journalism to bash the worst team in the league, that's what they've all been doing. Well, now it takes a little effort to dig deep and figure out why the Suns have made this turnaround. And so kudos to those national people who have put the effort in, who've looked at the numbers and realized that maybe this isn't a flash in the pan. Well, yeah, it's not just an eye. It's not just passing the eye test. It's passing the analytics test, too. That's the crazy thing is the numbers are backing up what we're seeing. And I think I read the stat that they're the only team that's both in the top 10 uh, net rating for defense and offense other than the Milwaukee Bucks right now. This isn't just a fluke. This isn't that, that it is some hot shooting. It is a 
fundamentally solid basketball team. And I do give a lot of these national guy, uh, national media members a lot of credit for for taking a step back and going, all right, well, this isn't the same the same old Suns team. Uh, some still are holding on to uh, to old beefs, and I get it. And you know, maybe you know, more power to them if they if it proves out right. But I I think a lot of people are realizing, you know what, this is not the same franchise that uh, that had goats visiting the general manager's office and all sorts of things. They are off to a legitimate start with a solid. Uh, foundation both in the coaching staff uh, and you know quite frankly I, I had a mea copa last uh, episode about James Jones he brought a vision and an understanding of what it takes to build a chemistry and it's panning out right now and and I, I do I appreciate those national people who are actually willing to say hey we might have been wrong about having the worst offseason uh, uh, in the league with a lot of these guys well, uh, thank you all so very much for joining on the YouTube chat, listening to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube right now, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. It really, really does help us with the YouTube algorithms. Also, check out the podcast version. If you're listening to the podcast, search Sun Solar Panel on YouTube. You can find John Bloom on Twitter, as well as, obviously, the uh, post-game radio host for the Suns. Find him on Twitter, at John Bloom. That's a J-O-N, no H in there. And, of course, Espo at Espo. Uh, myself at Radio Tim NBA, and we will be back this Saturday morning, uh, 7.30 a.m. Arizona time. <laughs>